Now we return to the case presentations. The next case was presented by Dr. Bert O'Neill, a patient treated with yttrium spheres, another local therapy for the disease. In January, Kulik et al. reported in the journal Hepatology a series of 108 patients treated on a phase 2 study of yttrium microspheres. The partial response rate was 42%, and in particular, this study found that adverse events were relatively uncommon in patients with portal vein thrombosis, where taste is relatively contraindicated. However, as Dr. O'Neill's patient demonstrates, even in experienced hands, yttrium can have serious complications. This patient is a 49-year-old non-alcohol user with hepatitis C virus. He had been diagnosed several years ago. He had previously been treated actually successfully with antiviral therapy and peg interferon. He had been screened appropriately. He had routine screening every six months with alpha-feta protein, alternating scans, MRI once a year, and alternating with an ultrasound every six months. He had an AFP that increased to 1,400 during one of these screening intervals and subsequently had an MRI, which showed this very difficult to define in terms of its borders area with clearly the right portal vein out, a mass that was hard to define, but probably, obviously, hepatocellular carcinoma given the alpha-feta protein. Any comment, Dr. Quo? He described it very accurately, and the clinical suspicion for HCC infiltrative here is exceedingly high. Need a biopsy? No. You want to comment on these points? Sure. So this gentleman had, we didn't mention, the liver did not appear terribly cirrhotic. He'd actually, interestingly, if we look at that MRI, he had had some hypertrophy of his left lobe, possibly in response to the right portal vein thrombosis, which can suggest some higher degree of liver reserve than you might expect. In terms of his clinical exam, he did have some mild gynecomastia, did have some telangiectasias suggesting more severe liver disease. He had a normal total bilirubin. His AST is six times upper limit of normal. His PT is very close to normal. Albumin is quite low at 2.4, and his platelet count was 137,000. And you say, what is his child P score? What would you say? He's going to be an A. B. Yeah. He's going to be a B. He's going to be an A. A B. At least a B. Mm-hmm. Dr. Tholoveth, can you talk about what his child Pew score is and what goes into that score? Child Pew score is based on five factors. Three, blood test, bilirubin, albumin, and prothrombin time. Two, subjective findings, the degree of ascites, and hepatic encephalopathy. So you give one point each for if they're all normal or almost normal. And then three, if it is really bad. So the score can range from 5 to 15. And if you have a score of 5 or 6, it's child A, 7, 8, 9, child B, 10 and above, child C. Here, patient has no ascites, you get score of 1. And cephalopathy, if it is mild, you get 2. If it is bad, 3. He's 1. He is get one, yes. He's negative for ascites and encephalopathy. Yes, so bilirubin normal, one point. Prothrombin time normal, one point, so he gets four. Albumin is very low, so you get three points. So it is only seven. Seven, so child B, yeah. early child B. Does it make a difference when you look at child B, how you get there? Like, for example, here it's kind of the albumin that's doing it as opposed to ascites or something? Or is it just A or B and that's it? I think if you're thinking of surgery, resection, 
I think it may be important because portal hypertension is a relative contraindication for surgical resection, not so for liver transplant or other form of treatment like TACE. And TACE, you think bilirubin is probably a better predictor. So I think you know, it may matter depending on what type of treatment you're offering. But from a prognostic point of view, I don't think it makes a difference at all. What about the use of serafinib, Dr. Finn, in terms of looking at the patient as an A or B? This patient's becoming a B because of the albumin. Does it matter how they get to the B? Yeah, I think to some extent it is important because, remember, the child's Pew score was not designed to assess patients for prospective oncology trials. It was assessed for patients for portosystemic shunting, and it, it is a relatively objective way of classifying their liver disease. I think from the oncology side in practice, we're very focused on bilirubin in assessing how patients can handle drugs, certainly with cytotoxics. And I think it's also relevant to the point here with Charles yeah. Pugh that I think bilirubin would be important. As it should be. I think the critical issue with Child's Pugh and as it relates to SHARP and our assessment to patients is that the studies that have been done have proven that Nexavar is an anti-cancer drug and it improves survival in Child's A. I don't have much doubt that it's probably an anti-cancer drug in child B and C. The question is, can we impact survival significantly in child B and C because of their underlying liver disease? And certainly, there are some patients who are Bs, who are mild Bs, who are expected to live a fair amount of time from their liver disease and likely would benefit from serafinib. At the same time, there's patients with late B or C disease we're going to die from their liver disease very quickly, and whether or not we treat their tumor won't make a difference. And then there's the group that have child C disease or B disease, but it is because of their tumor burden. And serafinib does not introduce tumor responses. It doesn't shrink tumors. So I don't think we'll be altering their child score with serafinib, but again, we might be able to help them live longer in their current state. What's the performance status? He works. His performance status is excellent. Zero? Yeah. Yeah. So can you talk about what happened to this patient, Dr. O'Neill? So this patient came in quite shocked about his diagnosis, quite angry because he, you know, thought that things had been going well and he'd been screened. And why are you telling me this and that are not options? I told him that transplantation was not an option because of the diffuse nature and the obvious portal vein thrombosis. He still wanted to work towards an aggressive approach to try and get to surgery, which seemed unlikely to me, although it was interesting, again, with that hypertrophy of his left lobe, he actually didn't have anything on his MRI scan that would suggest that he was absolutely unresectable. The child B status was obviously unfavorable to him. How long had he been treated for hepatitis C before that, or how long did he know he'd had it? He was treated about three years prior and had actually been free of hepatitis C until recently before that he had had a recurrence of his hepatitis C virus. What was his life situation? Was he working, family? Working, married, has small kids. What kind of work does he do? He has an office type of job. Was he the kind of patient going out on the internet getting information? And His wife was, yes. So they were looking for something more. They didn't like the... They wanted an aggressive approach. They wanted to go see Melanie, actually. So I called Melanie, and they wanted to go to MD Anderson. Did they end up going there? They did not. They did not. They stuck at UNC. How did you treat him? So we actually elected first to treat him with radioembolization, with Therospheres. 
And he did appear to have some response. I made this case, and then unfortunately he looked like he had some response to that. Recently he ended up in the hospital with a GI bleed. He had pretty modest-sized varices, but they had bled anyway, so he had just recently gone into the hospital, so we're still sort of in the middle of this story. I think the fact that he had a GI bleed after having Therospheres, in my mind, rules out the possibility that he will ever be a surgical candidate. But, you know, I defer to our surgical colleagues about what their opinion of that would be. He still remains an interesting case, I think. How long after the radioembolization? This would have been about six weeks post. Do you think that could Very be related? Effect, huh? So yeah. could you have increased his portal hypertension by a big embolic effect? Well, the bleeding and is from elsewhere. Well, I think this really was a... What are you thinking about? Well, you can get shunting through the... extension of thrombosis by the yeah. mass. We have seen major bleeding. I agree with Paul. He could very well be that a few of these beads, you know, went to an aberrant vessel, a right gastric or whatever, and caused enough erosion to create this bleeding. Was he scoped? He was. He was. What he was see? felt to have bleeding varices. Yeah. But we've seen that with radioembolization. He did not have changes you would have expected if he had had radiation to his stomach. He didn't have severe gastritis or something you would expect if he had had particles aberrantly shunting. Needed things. transfusions? Yes, seven-unit lead. He had a pretty seven good size, units. Pretty Where good is he right bleed. now? He's still in the hospital right now. Did his portal vessels thrombose and subsequent imaging? So on subsequent MRI in the hospital, his left side thrombosed. Yes. So that may That's have been. Happened. So what do you think? So that may on, have Dr. been the Pro? cause versus increasing his portal venous pressure because of the radiation. But I suspect Thank you. it's Thank the you extension. Thank you for reading my mind. Yes. Okay. I think it's the extension yes. of the. So bring your mind to us. What's going on? Yeah. So either this is a therapy-related thrombosis, still could be, in this case, tumor-related thrombosis as well, although you wouldn't like that so much, but it's certainly possible, but maybe therapy-related thrombosis. Just to clarify, the reason for doing the procedure was the hope that he becomes surgically resectable? I think the reason for doing this as opposed to putting him on serafinib was partly driven by his desire to do the most aggressive thing possible in hopes that he might get to surgery. Dr. Gamblin, do you think that that was reasonable or do you think the patient talked him into something that really wasn't a good idea? No, I think it's very reasonable and I think it's reasonable as the therapeutic option even if he doesn't get to surgery. But I agree with Mike. When I look at this, I see disease extension into segment four and I see extension into segment one, so the caudate lobe and the medial portion of the left lobe. So I think it's very unlikely this guy would come to surgery. What are you thinking about assuming, hoping he's going to recover from this bleed and kind of get back on his feet, then what? We've done the treatment now, so I think we re-image him in some number of weeks after he's gotten out of the hospital. And I think if he has had tumor progression at that point, then I would suggest to him systemic therapy, you know, either with serafinib or a clinical trial if he's eligible for one at that time. Now, if you could have rewind back to the beginning, maybe us, Dr. Geshwin, in this situation, and the patient said to you, okay, what's the chance I'm going to have a serious complication here that's going to put me in the hospital, which is what happened, but what chance do you think that would have been looking at this up front? With radioembolization or mm-hmm. with chemoembolization? With radioembolization in this situation. It's rare. I would say if the shunt study is negative, it's very rare. It's usually very well tolerated, but the complication of bleeding can be there. It's definitely real. I mean, if you do not treat the liver in the proper manner, then you can have complications. What do you do actually when you do this yttrium? So we treat four or 500 people a year with chemoembolization and about 100 yttriums a year. And so if they have a segmental portal vein thrombus, it's not the main right portal vein thrombus, it's way out in the liver and associated with the tumor, then we might give them chemoembolization. We'd just like Dr. Thomas has alluded to, we discuss them all on a multidisciplinary tumor board and such and discuss these cases. But if they have the right and the left portal vein involved on the right, we would consider those patients for yttrium 90. Both of those therapies are delivered in a similar manner. 
23-hour observation. They go to the interventional radiology suite the day of their admission. They stay overnight after their treatment. Through a femoral approach, the hepatic artery is cannulated, and then the treatment is administered. And is the yttrium just injected, or is it? It is. It's a glass bead, a beta-emitting radiation particle that leaks from a glass bead that's then floated out into the liver towards the tumor. So it's an embolization thing? It, is an embol- embolizes it actually that? has two therapies there. So there's an embolization component with the beads, and there's a radiation component as well. So the patient says to you, what am I looking at in terms of risk for these two procedures? The primary complications are associated with abdominal pain, low-grade fever, and nausea. And I would say 98% of our patients come in and out overnight. There's very little risk with the procedure. Some of the data with the randomized trials looking at chemoembolization show survival advantage from regional therapy. Yttrium 90 does not have the same data. It's used throughout the country with little data to really stack it on. We certainly see dramatic responses to Yttrium 90, but we don't have good randomized data to take a look at Yttrium 90.